wiry, frazzled, harried, a single mother at the grocery store, an aged madman building a robot mate, a recluse whose beard gets caught in the door every time he goes out. That's what I think of when I consider the spider plant growing on the shelf. I'm at the stage of the pandemic where the plants have uh, personalities. <laughs> I don't often imagine them talking back, but uh, give it a few more months. I recently rearranged some of them, finally letting the sick and dying ones go, feeling a little wince of remorse when stuffing them deep down into the bottom of the kitchen trash. But I try to picture them returning to the earth somehow, once the plastic degrades, if it ever does, extending new roots into the damp, oozy soil of a landfill, a bright spot of organic matter among the discarded detritus of human life. Could I have done more? I've had to trim back the brown, dry leaves of some, clearing space for healthy things to take hold, moving a few so they could benefit from the few stray rays of sun that make it through the bedroom window in the short, wintry afternoons. A familiar feeling, reaching for the light. What's well, best not to over-identify with your houseplants, friends, but looking at them in the pots that they did not choose, cut off from the fungal networks and others of their kind, isolated, it's hard to see that they're not just like all of us in the city, getting by, trying not to catch some deadly virus or mealworm that saps our strength, living in an ill-advised commune with several other people of varying degrees of follow-through when it comes to the chore wheel, I'll tell you that, many of whom seem to no longer be able to breathe oxygen anymore, evolving to survive only on thick rings of marijuana smoke. Married to a woman whose main daytime activity is doom-scrolling apartment listings on Street Easy. Late at night, even from my sleep hammock in the other room, I can hear her low voice rumbling through the negatives. No laundry in unit. So many stairs. Net effective. But we must make it work somehow. We must fight against stagnation and rot and reach out and upward and turn that light into fuel. And where better to attempt to do all of that than here? through this vibrational tear in the universe that leads us to the Deep Night. Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so happy to still be here and to be with you as your host, companion, and decidedly anti-insurrectionist guide through the hallowed halls of the deep night. For this next hour of regrets and revelations, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And even the Guani has had enough. They've opened her up, you see, and she's suffering all the indignities of being exposed in such a violent process of reclamation. Part of her being designated a Superfund cleanup site means that they have to tear into her sides, pull dumpsters full of sludge and toxins out, and let parts of her mingle with the open air in ways she never thought possible. I can't even look over there without feeling for the old gal. And to what end? 
Will there be crystal clear water flowing through those canal walls any time soon? A new Atlantis Hotel and Resort where you can walk under glass ceilings and children will reach up to try and touch a manta ray or a darting rainbow trout glimmering in the sun? Not a chance. But such is life, and life is full of folly. Appreciate the folly, I say. Like you, I've been absolutely consumed with preparations for the Imolk Festival. Now, I know a few gents out there, and probably some ladies, too, that get a little squiggly feeling whenever a major fertility fest is on the horizon. And I don't blame you. Whenever Galinda brings her St. Bridget headgear down from the rituals closet, I start to sweat. Like the Ouija board, I try not to mess with that stuff. <laughs> For years, it was because my first wife, Jenny, insisted she was uh, not into children or the idea of children. As it turns out, that was actually just children with me, as she now has many children with her new husband, Brian, and I wish them well. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I didn't get a holiday card from them this year, but I bet that was just due to the darn mishigash with the postal service that I read about in my cousin Dinner. Substack. Five dollars a month for a yearly holiday post where I learn he suffered a panic attack at the zoo doesn't quite seem worth it, but I know he can use it, and Lord knows I'm not spending on little things like I used to. I stopped buying pants altogether, which, if you're a fan of this podcast, you know is a big deal. Anyway, Amalk. Now, you may be familiar with this end-of-winter festival, and maybe you've seen it written as if it was going to be pronounced Imbalk. But I'm going to go by the three internet videos I watched about the proper Celtic pronunciation and say Imbalk. Not a pretty sounding word, but a gorgeous festival. One of the four major ancient festivals that mark the seasons, and apparently uh, the right time to tie a damp clutie on your ash. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Dow, someone's been getting into the night drams. Well, that may be true, too. But in this case, a clutie is a rag that you dunk in an old well and then try to heal a wound, real or spiritual, and then tie the bloody old wet rag to a perfectly fine ash tree as an offering to the spirits of the well, and presumably as a message to your neighbor that, uh, hey, I want that lawnmower back. <laughs> Now, like I said, just a stunning ceremony full of wounded people dipping rags in wells and then littering throughout the forest. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Look, whenever I kid with the spirits, I have to be sure to let them know. For instance, if I walk into a haunted hotel room, which happens a lot more than I would like, to be honest, I say, Spirit, it's me, Dale Seaver. Not sure if you're a podcast fan or maybe you caught any of my web series where I open up bags and then got sad. But I mean you know ill will, and I hope we can respect each other. Now, usually around that time, the person waiting for the tip for helping me carry my travel duffel into the room realizes that no tip is coming, and they quietly inch back out the door. So it serves two purposes. I miss traveling on a budget. But our preparations, yes, I feel like we're really going all in on these ancient rituals this year. I gather it helps Galinda focus on anything other than a violent insurrection or global pandemic. Plus, I'm tickled any time a cleansing fire is involved, because I love to sneak a few extra things we have lying around the house into the fire. <laughs> fire. Oops, I don't know what happened to that book on becoming a successful podcaster. <laughs> Listener, I know exactly what happened. Now, I admit that the news of the day is distracting, to the point that making anything seems a major effort. 
And look, I get it. That deadly coup was bad. But being cooped up in this small apartment is also starting to feel pretty deadly, in that it's killing our last shreds of tolerance for one another here in the apartment. Now, I'm not sure what changed for us between uh, month 10 and month 11 indoors, but it did. <laughs> and I'm less and less confident that everyone's going to make it out to March. It's a lot. And friend, if you're out there doing anything other than reading books about eels and finally catching up on Lovecraft Country, then I salute you. But if you can latch on to an ancient ceremony and really go all in, it can be rewarding. For instance, we had to dig a well for Imolk. So that was fun. Now, it turns out there's a lot of real hard rock under the sidewalks of Brooklyn. <laughs> Luckily, I was able to borrow a jackhammer from the Spectrum guys. They seemed to be at lunch anyway, and it all seemed to be going well until I remembered that jackhammers are very loud. So there I was trying to just do a little hammer, you know, tack -a -tack -a -tack, <laughs> then a little more, tack -a -tack -a -tack, little burst. But they still found me. So the rest of it, I just kind of pushed at with the sharpened end of a plunger. The important thing is that ceremonial wells, just like pools for kids with parents who are afraid of commitment, can be built above ground. And so a few artfully placed rocks and a few spray-painted Amazon packages also borrowed from our neighbor's stoops seems to have done the trick. <laughs> it is very well-like. Well, adjacent is what it would be called in Los Angeles. It doesn't really hold water, but I hooked up a clogged sprinkler in the middle of it, and it just sort of gurgles enchantingly, just like it probably was in the highlands of yore. Now, I don't condone uh, stealing or scamming people, and I don't like being scammed. I liked for people to think highly of me and that I am an honest broker when it comes to friendship and selling luxury wellness products, which is why I had to cut ties recently with someone you may be familiar with, Lyle Winterhaas. I know this may be difficult for some of you to hear, which is why I buried it several minutes into this broadcast. But if you have encountered Lyle at one of our Kundalini As You Are parties or Total I, Total You regional meetings, uh, you have probably noticed that Lyle Lyle has taken a turn uh, for the worst. Uh, I met Lyle in uh, Los Angeles back in 2006 when he was just starting to become involved with the Total I Total You program. Uh, we had driven separately but arrived at the same time to our first orientation meeting which was held in Helen Holder's apartment on an undesirable little retail stretch in Westwood right next to an abandoned movie theater and across from the sushi place that always had a C rating. <laughs> I still ate there. Now, on the first floor was a psychic, the pink glow of which could be seen through Helen's curtains at night when meetings ran long. The psychic was not one person, but a rotating stable of Eastern European uh, women who all reported to Helen's younger sister, Fern. It was kind of an early we work space for witches, or what uh, used to be called an internet cafe. As there was rarely much foot traffic and everyone used the space to tap away at laptops, writing screenplays and trying to get general meetings with studios, they'd hardly look up when we'd come in for our meetings, removing our shoes before heading up the narrow stairs carpeted in thick faded green shag that maybe once evoked a lush tropical paradise. Helen was always put together in that wellness way, dewy skin, gray blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail, angular features that softened when she smiled with a single dimple on her cheek under her left eye. 
Absolutely enormous ears, though. Real big ears on that lady. The way she wore her hair really exaggerated the effect, but some nights I thought about how those ears came to be. Did they start that large, and then the rest of her just grew around them? Of course, any time it happened, I felt bad holding on to any negative thoughts about the ears, but it wasn't that they made her unattractive. She was lovely, with an aura that shifted from purple and green to pink as she talked, but they were just, given the rest of her proportions, very big. Lyle was eager, just right there with the note-taking and the finger-snapping and the nodding in agreement when a point hit him as being just right. We took in what Helen was telling us about encouraging others to become TITU reps as we sipped on cup after cup of tea that was blue on account of butterfly pea powder, a product that could be found on page 316 of the TITU order booklet. Lyle looked then and now as if you'd just found an aging Kevin Bacon under a rock. And it would be shocking at first because you thought, oh, this person might... Uh, be dead. But in fact, they are alive, and yet uh, still their movements are a little herky-jerky, zombie-like, so you doubt yourself. Just an absolute wreck of a person who seemed as if an electrical current ran through him instead of blood, and that was what was animating him. Lyle, uh, no surprise, loved the program. We hosted a few of the total I told you welcome gatherings and drum circles at his place at the base of Runyon Canyon. His rental unit was spare and therefore spacious, with an underused pool in the center of the courtyard and neighbors who seemed uh, not to care. Thinking back now, I'm amazed the people coming to learn about the products we were offering them the chance to sell to others didn't just turn around and go home, but then... Lyle was always good about talking people into the idea that the physical reality was less important than the spiritual one, and that that could only be really and truly attained by living a pure life, one that was easier to achieve by using our products. Now, here's the thing. I knew it was a pyramid scheme, just like UCB in the public library system. I know now that I want nothing to do with them. Once you're in those places, it's very hard to get out of. You just keep yes-anding or seeking knowledge until you expire. So yes, I understood that what I was investing my time and energy into was probably something that would never pay off for me, even if I somehow miraculously sold enough horseshoe crab under-eye serum and pistachio milk to secure a spot on the total eye total you dude ranch getaway in Wyoming, which had the promise to be transformative to me on many levels. Now, for selfish reasons, uh, and because my aging Volkswagen Fox had a moisture problem where the trunk would just fill with water, the horn only worked if I was turning a corner and I had to bolt all the windows to the up position because the lifter bars had broken. Because of all that, I was also interested in winning a brand new amethyst-colored Scion XB that was made available exclusively to Triple Tanzanite members who had sold more than $30,000 worth of product and experiences in a single lunar cycle. Of course, Kent Tenderman snagged that prize, but I bet no one thought to check his basement, where I bet there's still a lot of starfish oil supplements parked in around the hot water heater. See, the whole point of the thing was that we would bring in people, wayward youth, recently unemployed, just out of rehab, former cult members, churchgoers, and we'd make friendly conversation and casually drop something like, boy, are you just exhausted from all this? <laughs> we never specified what this was. Usually they'd offer something and then you could just riff. Job got you down, difficult uh, time meeting people, bad skin on account of the terrible water in Los Angeles. 
hate driving, me too. The next step was to make yourself available via MySpace, where you could also talk about music and post glittery stickers to their digital walls like, hang in there. And we'd set up a gathering and then an empowerment evening. Lyle even found a giant gong that he'd strike when someone signed the agreement and became a TITU Elevation Associate. The idea was that we were helping to elevate the world through organically sourced, naturally derived, ethically packaged heightening products that made one's life easier, more beautiful, and more joyful. Lyle, as I said, was really into it. And after a gong-filled session and high on some of the more potent teas we were selling, which bore a striking chemical similarity to Four Loco, uh, something we would find out much later in a couple of lawsuits, he would dash up the canyon, whooping and shouting, making coyote noises, knowing that in his state he might encounter some trouble, I often trudged along after him, urging him to keep it down and keep a close lookout for actual coyotes or that one mountain lion that was, honestly, what would I do if I saw a mountain lion? I have no idea, but I guess I felt somewhat responsible, and so I went along after him and made sure he got back to his place okay before extracting myself and driving uh, back home to my apartment all the way across town. Now, eventually, I started to drift away from the program. I wasn't having any luck with the sales figures, and some hosting gigs came along that allowed me to have some fun and not have to lug around a box of glowing jellies and thick sandy pastes around in my very wet trunk. And later that year, I bought a version of the car I had when I was together with Ginny, a bright red 1989 Chrysler LeBaron soft top that I called Little Barry. Officially, I guess it was Little Barry too, but I didn't want to hurt its feelings. And it felt good to be back behind the wheel of a car that was built to handle the curves of the coastal highway and look good doing it. I felt my life actually coming together, which meant I had to be apart from the Total I Total You program. They didn't seem to mind. Like I said, I was not a big earner for them. I returned my satin elevation robes, filled out an overly complicated NDA agreement where I uh, signed away any rights to making an eight- or nine-part tedious documentary series about the program and its founder, who went by the initials lowercase r, capital E, who, it turns out, was definitely into some weird stuff. Not just volleyball, but that was weird, too. I mean, anyone over 30 playing volleyball? It's like, what are they hiding? Anyway, I drove away from their main L.A. headquarters, which was in a big corporate tower on Wilshire. Helen smiled ear to ear, said namaste to me, and then gave me one of her signature open-mouth kisses. That part was always alarming, and not every new member took to that right away. Lyle, on the other hand, just kept going and going with the program, rising through the ranks. He seemed awfully close to Helen. Physically, they were standing right next to each other, which was also why that kiss was so awkward. Because I knew him for so long and considered him a friend, we stayed in casual touch over the years, and when Galinda and I opened our little wellness clinic on the Gowanus, I reached out to see if we could carry some of the TITU products in our store. As it turns out, most of the product was destroyed by the FBI and the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms in a raid on the warehouse that Ari, real name Ari Wadlerts Jr., kept as part of a subterranean compound beneath that dude ranch in Wyoming. Ari was being tried in federal court, and Helen had been charged with embezzlement and stockpiling firearms, which I guess is not something you should be doing. She had also become very involved in local politics and was a popular city councilwoman who was planning a run for mayor. Now, the person who had run her campaign was none other than Lyle. 
and over the past few years it seemed that he's gone further and further down the slippery slope into conspiracy theories and whatever libertarian impulses he had uh, had been transformed into a full-throated embrace of right-wing ideology that is just beyond anything normal. Like you think maybe of some relatives or in-laws who like to tease you about the hippies and communists running New York, and that's definitely made for some less fun Thanksgivings, but what Lyle was into was downright scary. And when he would show up at the Seekonk Marriott for those kundalini meet-and-greets, the energy in that partitioned half-conference room would turn decidedly dark. I remember one time him getting very agitated as we stood there waiting for the moving wall that divided the room to slowly unfold across the space. We had to make the space smaller on account of low attendance. Of course, we should have realized that the Women's March would be a draw for a lot of our usual clientele. But we were maybe too optimistic, and, well, the whole situation seemed to get under Lyle's taut skin. He certainly let Lonnie Trundle know how he felt about the hemp muffins. It got to the point where I had to ask him to go do some breathing exercises outside. He left, throwing an entire platter of muffins into the compost pail we had set up, and he never came back. I happened to find his Facebook account some time later, which was not difficult. He frequently made comments in wellness groups that we were a part of, and it did not take much to set him off. He was responding to even gentle assertions or minor preferences, like if someone wrote, I prefer to let my matcha cool before mixing it into a face mask, he'd have a reason for why that was tied to an international conspiracy to embed microchips in our tap water and Flint, Michigan was just a test case for something much bigger that was going to happen, and I think he meant mind control through our reservoirs. It was easy enough to shrug off, but seeing it from someone who was always just as troubled as he was was unsettling. And then this coup happened the other day. Now, while I can't be certain I saw Lyle straddling an overturned bench in the Great Hall of Statues in the Capitol building, I did spot a lanky, wiry guy wearing a red, white, and blue kimono, Carhartt overalls, with a faded cowboy hat, and I could have sworn I saw the letters T-I-T-U tattooed on his knuckles as he gripped a don't-tread-on-me flag. It struck me then, as it has often over the years, that I was definitely involved in something that was, if not a cult, pretty close, and that the distance between multi-level marketing schemes like Total I, Total You, and thinking that JFK Jr. is coming back to life or that a deep state is working behind the scenes to overthrow an election is maybe shorter than I ever thought. I mean, yes, one is peddling essential oils meant to cure psoriasis or sleep apnea, but the underlying promise is the same, that there are truths out there that can only be revealed by using this product, reading this website, listening to us. We have answers that no one else does, because no one's paying attention. And if you, person who is a seeker looking for something to hold on to in a world that feels overwhelming, uh, where choices are limited, if you pay attention to us, you will be on the right path, our path, the only path that matters. Sign up today and become an ambassador of our brand. Encourage others to do the same. What if, what if along with all the other measures we took to rid ourselves of some of these terrible strains in this country, we also shut down these predatory marketing schemes? Let folks buy oils directly. Don't incentivize submission. Now, I don't need to caution you, dear listener, about this, and certainly I don't mean to make light of any of the seriousness of what's happened. This is a dark timeline, to be sure. 
But maybe there's someone you can help in your orbit, and you can see that they're headed down a dangerous path. I think we might have to reach out to folks in order to stop them from sinking into this confusing and deadly murk. The same products sold by places like uh, TITU or my beloved Gwynny's Goop are also turning up with less appealing labels on hard-right conspiracy shows like uh, Alex Jones or what have you. Everyone's in on the grift from both angles, and we need to shake some people out of it. And I consider myself pretty put together. I always have a fresh turtleneck, just bought some really expensive body soap, which they assured me was different from regular soap. But I was also someone who was into having a little gig that brought in enough money and made me feel better and seemed to help others feel good about themselves. And I can say how once you take that first sip, it's hard not to drown yourself in what you think is helping. And when you're down, isolated somewhere, it can be hard not to think that you're in action is not because of anything you're doing or not doing, but rather it's because someone is keeping something from you. And in that mindset, you do whatever it takes to get that back and to have that chance. I understand that as least, at least as much as I can, but I also know that some opportunities are there if you're willing to ask for the help. Send an email. Take that step outside. Listen to someone. Find someone who'll hear you. There's got to be another way, and often uh, there is. It's comforting to rely on what has always been true, that the simplest answer is usually the right one. Good old Occam's razor. While things can appear overly complicated, a peacock, for instance, those fish that look like they're sideways, my aunt who never went outside, all of us, all of nature's creatures are built to survive. We all have a place in this system, and it's very simple. That place is to ensure that we continue on. That's it. And I know this show is not the source for writing our problematic ship that we find ourselves in at the moment, but if you've tuned into this frequency through wellness pyramid schemes or experience the thought, am I involved in a multi-level plan that only make the rich richer by selling the promise of a better life when I myself know that a better life is not truly contained within something I smear in my elbows when they get so dry they threaten to tear holes in my sheets? Well, friend, it's not there. We are responsible and must be responsible for our success as a species. And what that looks like is not the behavior we've seen these first few weeks of this brand new year. Our future can be found in collective actions for good, like tying some old rags to a tree and baking a cloudy dumpling to eat in the morning with some fresh eggs and strong coffee. My goodness, let's just breathe and do the work we must to ensure the new age arrives as an age of strength and healing. We are, together, better than all this. And while I believe in all the mysteries of the universe and the strange energies that bind us through the cosmos, I also know that there's no secret kingdom of truth that only a few have access to. The truth is as close to elemental as can be. It's in everything, everywhere. That's something to think about this week, something to pin to your personal periodic tables. Well, friends, that's it. Thank you for letting me go on this week. <laughs> this week, I hope you can find some comfort amidst the turmoil. I remain at the ready. Should you ever need to talk, drop us a line and we'll send you a vibe. 
I wish you good health and safety and sanity during this time. If you or someone you know has fallen prey to a cult like my cousin Gloria, who we all know was in a cult in the 70s, but we never talk about it, maybe find some resources out there to help them out. You can go to places like daretodoubt.org or others. I don't know. Do your research first. Make sure it's a reputable place. Uh, I'm sure there's many. Let's try to be proactive in 2021. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at Seaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance. <laughs>